0: you're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning. Good to see you all. So we've, we've come at almost at the end of the Road to Freedom series. We've been looking at you know, in the pandemic, what it has done to us, and today we want to look at you know what has done to our spiritual health. Maybe you feel that your spiritual health took a knock in the in the in the pandemic. You were cut off from community, the online services were all nice, but it didn't spark the same flame as meeting in person. But normally a Sunday morning would sustain you for a week, now it became more difficult. And you know. Online, meeting as a live group is all nice, you're thankful that that there was that possibility, but after Zooming a whole day for work, doing another meeting was just a little bit too much. And and besides sharing your heart over over the internet, that felt awkward, and it just didn't didn't really work for you. Now, community is so important for our spiritual well-being, isn't it? And last year, we talked about it quite a bit. It's important to be part of a trio or a life group, to surround yourself with a group of friends, a group of Christian friends that can encourage you, that can spur you on, that that, that can speak words of wisdom to you, that can be next to you when you're struggling. Community is so important. But today, today I want to look not at community. We've done that. Let's look at what else is needed to be spiritually healthy. When you're cut off from community, when you're isolated, you can, you can easily have this spiritual dryness, this feeling of a spiritual dryness, right? A feeling of being in the wilderness, so to say. A surrounding that, that really doesn't sustain you. You find yourself in a place where, where it's harder to discern what the right choices are, and, and it's easier to be tempted to make the wrong choices. Choices that are not healthy for you, spiritually. But before we go there, let me ask you a question. How do you, how do you actually measure your spiritual health, right? If somebody asks you, how is it with your soul, how do you then answer? If you're a little bit like me, you start thinking back on the last week, you know, have I done my morning devotions? Have I read my Bible? Have I prayed? And if you didn't, did these things regularly, you say, well, I'm doing, I'm doing well. But then if, if you didn't do them regularly, if you skipped a few, you would say, oh, I'm not doing so well. But is that, is that really the way to measure if you're doing spiritually well, right? At the beginning of the year, I made a, I made a New Year's resolution. Um, besides doing my normal devotions, I wanted to read through the Bible in a year. You know, I wanted to spend more time with God, hear His voice. And the first month, it was great. Every day, I spent my 20 minutes, and, and I, I, I really felt a connection with the Lord. I felt the Lord was, was talking to me. And then the second month, I missed a few mornings. And then uh, I had to catch up and I had to do two in a day. And instead of, 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 of reading it to be, be fed, I was just speed reading through the Bible just to be able to tick off the box. <laughs> That's not really how, how it should be, is it? That's not how you measure your spirituality. I didn't read these things, so therefore I feel I'm not doing well. And I did read these things, so therefore I feel I, I did do well. Treating these spiritual disciplines as goals to be reached. I pray today, tick. I read my Bible today, tick. If I did them faithfully, then I'm doing well. Now, but don't get me wrong, you know, I, I do think it's very important to read your Bible. I do think it's very, very, very important to pray. That's not the point, but is it how we should measure our spirituality? Now, others measure it by how they feel. Okay, I feel close to God or, or, or I don't feel close to God, right? Um, on a Sunday morning, it might give you a high feeling, you feel close to God, you've worshipped, it was nice. But then on a Sunday afternoon or later in the week, it takes all the strength you've got to be the person God wants you to be. And you think you're not so doing so spiritual well. Now, I, I do think sp- feelings are important. They they can point us to something that's right or not right in, in our lives. And and sometimes our feelings can point something out before we can even give word to it. But is it really a true way of, of measuring how we're doing, right? What is the goal of our spiritual life? Why do we go to church? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we pray? When Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. So, so shouldn't that be how we measure it, right? How are we loving God? How are we loving people? It's not based on a feeling. It's practical. It's not based on um, how disciplined I am reading my Bible or praying. It's, you know, it's about how do I love? It's about loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul and loving people. Now, but there's always this, this force that tries to pull us away from that, right? That th- tries to pull us away from loving people and loving God to focus, to, to, to focus on me, to focus on number one, to focus on, on my needs. And being in lockdown, being isolated, being in the wilderness, so to say, these voices in our head might have increased, tempting us to focus more on our needs, on what I want. Now, when I was thinking this over, I was thinking, okay, where in the Bible does it talk about somebody who's in the wilderness, isolated, um, and who's being tempted? <laughs> well, that's actually how, how Jesus started his ministry, right? So, let's look at that today. After Jesus got baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And after this spiritual high of being baptized, I mean he heard the voice of God saying, "This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased." That must have been a high, right? Forty days later, after forty days of fasting, no food, he was hungry, <laughs> he was probably feeling weak, isolated, and seen people for forty days. It was probably a low point for him and And it is at that point that the devil comes to tempt him. Let's read the story. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. It's written, he will come on his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands. So you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, is it not also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I will give to you. Just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So today I want to focus on how Jesus pulled through of this time of isolation and testing. After 40 days, like I said, he must have felt Weak, definitely hungry, isolated, and, and then the tempting starts. And I'm not sure if it was the devil face to face or voices in his head, but, but these temptations were real. And that's how it often happens with us as well, right? When we feel low, that's when the voices in our, our mind are the loudest. Spiritual life is marked by highs and by lows. Look at Jesus from the high at his baptism, seeing the, the Spirit come down as a dove, hearing the voice of God, a high to 40 days later in the desert, alone, weak, isolated, hungry, alone. Ups and downs are part of the spiritual life. Nothing to worry about there. Temptation is part of life. Even for Jesus, temptations was part of his life f- right until the end of his life. <laughs> Being tempted is not an indication of how well you're doing spiritually. Sometimes we feel close to God, sometimes we don't feel so close to God. On a Sunday morning, we worship, we feel close to God. Sunday afternoon, like I said, takes everything in you to be the person God wants you to be. That's all part of spiritual life and we shouldn't be surprised by it. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. But then how do you respond to it? How do you prepare for it? Let's look at how Jesus did it. Let's look at the first temptation. The devil says, if you are the son of God. In other words, let's assume for the sake of argument that you are the son of God. Then it should be well within your power to make bread out of these stones. Right? God has given you this power, so why not use it? He doesn't want his son to be hungry, does he? He doesn't want you to lack anything. And the scary thing is it makes sense. It sounds reasonable. It sounds logical. It sounds plausible. God doesn't want his children to be be lacking anything, right? And you've got the power to do something about it. If Jesus is part of the Trinity, he definitely had the power to do something about it. So why not? As often with temptations, there's often a way to rationalize the wrong decision. There's nothing inherently wrong with making bread out of stones. Yet it would not have been right for Jesus to do so. It was not God's will. For Jesus to fulfill his mission on earth, he had to be fully, fully human. No shortcuts. No using his divine powers to get out of a sticky situation. At the end of the book of Matthew, we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And Peter comes, uh, the, the, the soldiers come to pick him up. And then Peter draws out a sword and start whacking around him. And Jesus says, put your sword away. Don't you think that I can call on my Father and 12 legions of angels will be at my disposal? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say that it needs to happen this way? (laughs) At any time, Jesus could have called on his divine powers. But he didn't. If if he would have, he would have deviated from the Father's will. And looking at the end of Jesus' life, I can imagine that he was actually tempted to call on these 12 legions. When you read his struggle in prayer in in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood, must have been tempting to to call in the help, the troops. Yet he's not bailing out. He's not using his divine powers. Now, can you see, by the way, how, how the temptation to call in the divine powers in the Garden of Gethsemane is kind of the same temptation that he's facing now, only much more intense. And I think that's another lesson we can learn. Making the right decision in the small things prepares us to make right decisions in the big things. Don't be tempted to say, oh, it doesn't matter, I can just cut a corner here, cut a corner there, be a little bit untruthful here, a little lie there. It doesn't work that way. It's where spiritual growth happens. might not feel like growth, but making consistently the right small decisions will prepare you for making the bigger decisions in life, for the bigger temptations that will come someday. But then sometimes it's very hard to see why a certain choice is wrong, right? But it it still will take you outside of the Father's will. Now, I've been trying to think of an example here out of my own life. but (laughs) I I think I found one, but it it doesn't fit perfectly, but I'm going to tell it anyway, right? So, in my first job, I was there maybe for, for, for two years, Um, I wasn't enjoying it very much. I did learn a lot, but the the whole work environment, and and I I couldn't see where where I was going with this. I I couldn't see myself doing that for the long run. So I wanted out. I just didn't know yet where to go, so I was praying about it. And I got this sense that the Lord was telling me, no, not yet. You're not done yet. I'm not done with you yet. You still got stuff to learn here. So I had to stay there's nothing wrong with finding another job. <laughs> it's not like people on Sunday morning would have said, have you heard about Johan? He looked for another job. No, there's nothing wrong with it. But in my case, because I had the sense that God was telling me that, I, sh- I shouldn't find another job. Now, I was, of course, thinking about the future and praying about it, and, and, and Lord, what, what, what do you want with my life? And, and I felt him leading me to study and, and to go to seminary. I was just waiting for the right moment there, when I was done. <laughs> and then one day, my manager called me in. And after some chit-chat, he said, Johan, we're very happy with you. And we want to get you on a track to become a manager. So he was offering me a promotion. <laughs> it was right at that moment that I knew, now I can get out. It's done. I'm finished. And I quit my job. So, there must have been a real surprise to the manager there. There's nothing wrong with pursuing a career. There's nothing wrong with finding a different job, with taking care of our needs. But we're very often tempted, right, to plot our own course, to take care of ourselves apart from God, apart from God's will. Now, how did Jesus know? He shouldn't make bread out of stones. Now, as you might have noticed, every time um, the, one of the, the devil is tempting him, he responds with a scripture verse, right? Jesus knew his Bible. So no, we don't measure our spiritual health by how often we read the Bible and if we do it faithfully, but it is extremely important. It is how you know the Father's will. It's not a goal in itself, but reading and studying and meditating on Scripture is so important. To know God's heart. It's in Scripture that we read how much God God loves us. It's in Scripture where we read how much God loves His creation. What, What is... What what his plan is with creation. What his plan is with us. What our role is. That's what we find in scripture. So yes, make time regularly to read your Bible. And when you you, you spend time of it, take time to understand God's heart. Before you open it, pray. Say, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to seek you. Lord, reveal yourself to me through your word. Increase my love for you. And then open it and then start reading it. And Jesus says it's life-giving, right? We do not live on bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the Father. It's life-giving. It's not a chore that we take off. And Jesus very well understood the will of the Father. He very well understood his relationship and his dependence on the Father. Spending time in word, spending time in prayer, seeking God's heart had prepared him from the t- for the temptation that he was facing now. He knew how to respond. Even if rationally nothing seemed wrong with that decision, he knew the heart of the Father. He knew that he shouldn't make bread out of stones. So prep yourself. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time is in prayer. If you're not doing so yet, start small. Okay, Small steps. Build a habit. You know, if I was going to train for the marathon, and I haven't run in years, I I wouldn't go out and just start running an hour a day. I might, on the first day, on sheer willpower, maybe get through, but then definitely the second day wouldn't work out for me. So, start small. Do 10, 15 minutes. Between there, you get to an hour and a half a week. Well, do that for a year. You spend quite some time in, in the Word. And once you've built the habit, you can build on the habit. Start small, okay? Create a habit. Because when you're feeling low, when you're feeling vulnerable for temptation, knowing God's heart will pull you through. So, Jesus says, No, I'm not going to make bread out of stones. I will be dependent on the Father. I will do His will. And Satan says, Right, you're right. Dependence, yes. That's right, and in some kind of a judo move, he takes Jesus right to the opposite extreme. Prove your dependence. Show that you're dependent on the Father. Throw yourself off this tower. Show everybody that the Father will take care of you, assuming that that you are his son, because it's written that he will command his angels concerning you, right? Satan is using scripture now. Psalm 91 to convince Jesus. So where the first temptation sounded rational, this one even sounds spiritual. Sure, you need to be dependent on God. Now show it. Show that you trust him. Do something outrageous and let God save you. So he can show that he's on your side. You want the world to believe that you are his son, right? Well, throw yourself off the the temple tower. And all these religious types down there will see that God will catch you and know that you are the chosen one. God doesn't want you to suffer, right? It looks like an attractive shortcut to fulfill his mission, to circumvent suffering. Instead of going to the cross, everyone will now see that he's the chosen one, the beloved son of the father. And it makes some kind of sense spiritually, right? God doesn't want his children to 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 suffer pain, right? Can't be his plan? It sounds very spiritual. But Jesus sees right through it, and he counters with Scripture. I'm sure God will take care of him, but I'm not going to put him to the test, he says. I'm not going to force his hand to save me, to take care of me. I will wait for him to take care of me. And he counters again with Scripture taken from Deuteronomy. Do not put the Lord, the God, your God to the test. And in Deuteronomy, it says, as you did at Massah. It references a story in Exodus. The people of Israel have been escaping from, from Egypt. They're in the desert now. They don't have drinking water. They're complaining. Um, they're basically saying, is God among us or not? That's what the word Massa means. Is God among us or not? So thank you, Moses, for taking us out of Egypt. But where is this God of yours? We need water. Did he just take us out of Egypt for us to die? God, where are you? This can't be your will. If God existed, this wouldn't happen to us. Isn't that often how how it is when we feel low, right? We, We are questioning if God is still with us, if he's still for us. Is he still there? Lord, if you existed, this wouldn't happen to me. Prove yourself. Take this away from me. No, he knows my troubles and he knows my sufferings. He knows my weaknesses. He doesn't need to prove himself. He promised to be with me. He says, you're my child. He will rescue me. And we need to to trust in him that. Jesus, at the end of his life, even as God... Take this away from me. Take this cup from me. But then he said, not my will, but your will be done. He trusted in God. He put his dependence on the Father. Right until the end when things seemed hopeless. He was hanging on the cross. People were taunting him. If you are the Christ, come off. He didn't. He didn't call the the legions in to take him off the cross. He trusted and he was dependent on the Father till the end even when things seemed hopeless. God didn't promise an absence of suffering, but he promised to be with us in his suffering. And so Jesus says, no, I will not put God to the test. I will not force some big spectacle so people will believe in me. I will walk the road of suffering. I will not look for a shortcut. I will not be tempted to question God if life doesn't go as planned or if life doesn't go as I had imagined it. I trust that God is with me, even when I'm feeling low, when life doesn't make sense. So after the first temptation of planning your own course apart from God, and the second temptation of questioning God when life doesn't go as planned, we come to the third temptation. There is another way. (laughs) There's another way to reach your goals. I can give it to you. Just worship me. And it's subtle, right? It is subtle. Look, he says, I've got all this power. Look at all these kingdoms. Isn't your mission in the end that you will be king of kings, that all these kingdoms will belong to you? Well, you can have them. Here, shortcut, just bow down to me. Mission accomplished. Now, I don't have to explain how disastrous it would have been if Jesus would bow down to Satan. Jesus turning away from the Father. But it did look like it would accomplish his final goal. We all have images of being successful, of being rich, of being comfortable, of of achieving our dreams, and and God must be for that, right? Nothing wrong with these things, again. But what if they become the most important thing in our lives? And Jesus, again, answers from Scripture. Scripture. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Now, what he's saying here might be the biggest thing for you to take home today. Be single-minded. It's all about one thing. Your spiritual life is about one thing. Your whole life is about one thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And a bit later in in Matthew, he says, first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. One thing. Seek God. Worship him. Seek him with all that's in you, heart, mind, and soul. Don't let anything in life replace that or come next to it. Because then you will be double-minded, right? One thing. Not your goals, not your dreams, not your needs. needs. Do not let anything replace it. Worship Him only. Because if you're not single-minded, you'll find ways to achieve your dreams and your goals and your cut corners. Being a little untruthful here, a little lie there. Because whoever run a business without b- being a little untruthful, right? How can you run a business if you, not every once in a while, just skim around the truth a little bit? Or, or God wants me to be happy, right? I've been single for so long. And I couldn't find this, this Christian man or Christian woman. And now I met this guy, I met this woman that's not a Christian. And God can make bread out of these stones, right? So, why not? One thing. Worship the Lord your God with all that's in you. Nothing about God. That's how you resist temptation. And if you resist the devil, he will flee from you, it says in James 4. So prep yourself. Build this habit of seeking God. Seeking Him in words, seeking Him in, in prayer. Get to know His heart, get to know His will. Stay alert, maybe take some time away. See what temptations are coming at you, because they sound reasonable and they sound spiritual and they sound like they will achieve your goals. It can be so subtle. So the first temptation is to act on God's behalf, and the second temptation is demanding God to act. And then the third temptation is... is is making anything else more important than God, and then the lev- de- the devil left him, and angels attended to him. It says he resisted the temptations. He he was victorious, but but did he now all of a sudden feel a spiritual high? You know, after the first temptation, he was victorious, and he was still in the desert, he was still lonely, and the second temptation came. And after the second temptation, he was still feeling low, he was still feeling isolated, and the third temptation came. I I think he was still still there, (laughs) right? He didn't all of a sudden feel some kind of spiritual high, but something very important had happened. Danger had been averted. He could have train wrecked his whole mission here on earth, And spiritual growth had taken place. Jesus making the right decisions at that moment prepared him for later on to make the right decisions. Because there would be a next time around. In the the parallel story in Luke, the story ends with saying, then the devil left him and waited for an opportune time. He would be back. So that's another thing we can learn, I guess. Don't underestimate the low times in your life. Where you feel weak and isolated, that's where growth can happen. The way you respond to temptations in the wilderness are of immense importance. You might not have noticed it if you if you if you responded the right way, but it might have saved your marriage. It might have saved your friendships, it might have saved your <laughs> relationships, your family, your witness in the world, your life. That's where growth happens. You might not feel on top of the world. You might still feel that you're in the desert, but growth did happen, and the Lord is proud of you. Now, maybe you were in the desert, and you feel like you failed your testing. Now, the good news is that Jesus did not fail. He stayed strong until the end. He endured his testing for you. You can always return to him. Come back to him. He will forgive you. You can stay. You can. You can start again. In the wilderness, in isolation, we we are vulnerable to temptations. And the scary thing is, they they can sound reasonable and spiritual. We need discernment. And one way to build discernment is to spend time in the word, to seek God's heart with all your heart, mind and soul and, and, and to, to, to put first his kingdom and his righteousness now a second way to build a sermon, and we haven't talked about as much is the Holy Spirit, right he's there to help us when we're single minded we open ourselves up to listening to the, to the Holy Spirit he will give us strength, he will be with us And when you read the story again, you will see that the Holy Spirit was there all along, leading Jesus. Now next week is Pentecost, when we celebrate that the Holy Spirit is coming to the church, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And then we will look at the role of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father... We want to thank you. We want to thank you for the low times in our lives. We want to thank you that that's where we grow. We want to thank you for your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will be close to us this week. for we're feeling low, Lord, will you be with us? Will you help us to make the right decisions? Will you help us grow? Lord, give us this hunger and thirst for you to know you better, to love you more. Work in and through us, transform us, help us to love the people around us better as well. Lord, thank you that we can count on you. Thank you that if we messed up, if we made the wrong decisions, we can come back to you and that you will forgive us. Lord, lead us as we, this week as we, as we try to seek you. As we prepare for Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.